welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about our favorite Star Wars books and redeeming supreme with all the friends we made along the way. My name's Justin. I'm Tim. And this week on Forever Canon, we're in the getting into the thick of book eight, Legacy of the Force book eight, Revelation, with chapters nine through twelve. Of a book where things are starting to tip off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we left last week. Uh, I think uh, unsure of what Jason's plan was entirely. Moving towards Fondor, and then well, things he goes a place, and of course, things happen. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> but first, pump, pump, pump. Previously on Forever Canon, Ben takes Shivu on a hair-raising ghost hunt. Kydus lets Nyathal in on his Sith secret. Jane and Fett face off with lightsabers. And a billion bombs slash billion dollar idea for Fondor. But that was last week. Mm-hmm. And I guess that means we did sort of find out what Jason's plan was. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure. I guess it was the end of seven or something. One of the chapters right near the end ended with like, oh, somebody saying we're not sure what his plan is or something like that. Yeah, something like that. It was he had a general plan of let's blockade Fondor with a bunch of mines. Yep. That way we win. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. How do you fight? How do you? Let's say somebody gets the jump on you in your house and lays landmines all around your house. Before you even know they're there. Well, better surrender. <laughs> I need to get out of my house. At a certain point, you're going to have to buy groceries. Yes. Or, you know, you got to go somewhere. Yeah. So that was his plan. It's a pretty solid plan. And chapter nine starts us off with a famous Karen Travis blurb. You know, related to what we were just talking about. You've probably heard this before, but it's a trap. Luke Skywalker to the president of Fondor, warning of mine-laying activity in Fondorian space. Even Luke Skywalker would betray the Galactic Alliance to save the Galactic Alliance from itself. Yeah. Really, just from Jason. (laughs) Yeah. But that's right away... This blurb tells us what Luke Skywalker did with the information that Nyfall gave him. Because mm-hmm. he didn't tell her what he was going to do with it. You know, We didn't know how he was going to use the information sheet, or at least she didn't. It was a direct message to the president of Fondor. <laughs> Here's what's coming. Do, be ready. Do as you please. Yeah. You've had your warning. But chapter 9, of course, really starts on Browsen Mandalore. Browsen. Bra- 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 Ralston Mandalore. Yep, we got there. Where Bavine brings Jaina out to an old Vong battleground, which also happens to be Fen Shice's memorial. We hear about this Fen Shice a lot. The Mandalorian think he's such a big deal. He's the guy who left Boba Fett in charge. Oh, Fen Shice, Fen Shice, Fen Shice. Yeah, I don't care. He was, yeah, he was a, he <laughs> was mean, a great Mandalore. Apparently, that's just me. But like, do you care? I don't care. No, I don't know. You can care. It's okay, but. I don't know, man. To me, with like this book series, I barely cared about reading about Luke Skywalker the first time. I was just 
Jason, 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 yeah, Ben, all, Ben, Ben. Jason, all the cool ben, stuff that Jason, they're doing. Ben. Show me, show me, show me. Uh, everything else that was happening is was and, and really is ancillary to the story where all I care about is the rise and fall of Jason Solo. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Fen name keeps coming up a lot. <laughs> I don't care. No. Uh, the uh, only reason it's semi-important in this part is Vivian talks about how he knew Leia and they were kind of kind of friends and that it would be cool for Jane to take a picture of the memorial for Luke and Leia. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. What it, what it does, too, is, like, it informs... It's meant to inform us about the Mandalorian culture, right? Like yes. The fact that this guy's name comes up over and over again is itself an example of how important he is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, that's a, being reflected in the writing. And I just don't care. Yeah. It is important because... It informs Jaina. It, you know, uh, her, all the, all the background that we're getting about the Mandalorians and how their culture was built and formed and is now changing so drastically. It's all really important because Jaina is now, you know, trying to soak as much of that in to become as much of a different person as possible to Mm -hmm. kill her brother. So now like, it's all really important. But not in the fine details. Fen Shaisa is not important. It's important that Mandalorians revere a powerful warrior leader. Yes. That's what's important. The guy's name and how he died isn't important. Him leaving Boba Fett in charge isn't even necessarily important. Yeah. But it's more like the big picture stuff that's important for the Mandalorians, you know? Yeah. So, like I said, this guy's name keeps coming up over and over again. Cool. I'm sick of hearing about him, to be honest. Yeah. He's fucking dead. <laughs> He's been dead ever since I met him in the books. Yeah. I don't care. Meh. But of course, he is the revered former Mandalore who wants, who wanted Boba Fett to take his place. And then he died by Boba Fett's hand. We find out at some point here earlier in the story. Boba Fett put him out of his misery and they got themselves into an ambush or something, a situation where Fenshaisa couldn't get out. They were going to die. If Boba Fett didn't leave, they were both going to die. So Fett Mercy killed him. And then in the in the text, when Boba Fett's telling that story, I think to Murta for the first time, yeah. or maybe Bavine. No, he hasn't told Bavine yet. No, he tells Murta, I yeah. killed Fenshaisa. And he also says, like, I wonder if he didn't get us into that predicament on purpose. Yeah. So that he could die and make me the Mandalore. Like that kind of... He, he makes that point. Which is a very Mandalorian type of thing to do, is it not? <laughs> I mean, like, I'll give my life. I'll I'll die on the rocks so that I can set up my country and my people yeah. to be better off, you know? The, like, that whole sacrifice for the greater good thing. Well, and like, more to the point, Boba Fett. It's gotta be him. He's already such a powerful legend among Mandalorians and throughout the galaxy. He's gotta be the leader. He's the only one that like everybody would revere. I feel like I've said that word too many times already. Yeah, it's been a few. Anyways. That's the story of Fenshaisa. I hope I don't have to hear it again or tell it again. Well, that's up to you. You're right. You don't really have to tell it again. So You're right. It's completely You're right. you. And there are parts that I do, like, I don't really detail as we go through. But anyways, 
The important thing on Mandalore right now is Jaina Solo. And she's still off balance by the thought of Mandalorians being so rock hard nasty, but also loving, generous, kind people with their families and their, their, uh, not their own race. I don't know. What would you call it? Their own culture. Yeah. I guess. But again, but... I feel like I'm saying that word too many times. Yeah. Their own community. Hey, ah, there you go. Fucking, Hey, we got there. But seriously, she's off balance by this. It's kind of, you know, like a cognitive dissonance thing where like all your life, you specifically, Jaina, you're definitely taught that Mandalorians are bad because here comes Boba Fett trying to kill your dad all the fucking time throughout mm-hmm. your life. And then like you go there and they're like, of course, they're regular people with their family and mm-hmm. <laughs> friends and stuff. Right. You know, but it's just the way that the way that you villainize your enemies, the way that you dehumanize your enemies is, you know, a theme that's been coming up over and over again throughout these books with the the war getting so nasty, the civil war between people on the same fucking side of right and wrong. Yep. Like once upon a time when the book started, everybody was one team. And the whole, you know, there's been a lot of that message throughout the whole book, how easy it is to become a us versus them mentality. Yeah. Like it happens on Coruscant, you know, even in there, like it's on every scale. Yeah. In the city of Coruscant, between their own people, you know, on the ga- galaxy at large, between the GA and the Confederation, like, you were all on the same team not that long ago. And now Jason Solo is going to cover a planet in bombs. <laughs> yeah. Because things have gone so far away from teamwork or reconciliation or, like, being on the same page at all. The galaxy is fucked. And Jaina being so off-put by the Mandalorians not being entirely fucked is kind of dumb. (laughs) Couldn't think of a better word there. But, like, I think she's been around enough similar people, dangerous but nice, a.k.a. her whole family. Yeah. That maybe you wouldn't initially, like, apply that to everybody else. Like, oh, Mandalorians are probably like that, too. And, oh, I bet the Empire was like that, too. Everybody goes home to their families and yeah, you have a normal life at the end of the at day at a certain point. Right? Yeah. But it takes her like a long time to process this information here. If it's between, I guess not, maybe it's just a couple of days on Mandalore. It feels like it's stretched out over a bunch of chapters. It's a lot of pages. Maybe that's why it feels yeah. like that. I don't know. I just feel like for me, that would be like, you see the Mandalorians being a human family at dinner and you're like, right. And then that's the end of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it clicks into place and then you're good. Yeah. Maybe it's because the galaxy at large is no, it, they're like, Oh, Mandalorians are nomadic and militant. And that's all they do. I think that's a pretty good point. Like specifically Mandalorians. They're like boogeymen. Yes. Right. So yeah, I guess like you go to the devil's house <laughs> and he's having dinner with all his demons and they're like brushing each other's hair and sewing <laughs> each other's clothes and stuff. And you're like, what in the hell yeah. is this? I guess you're right. They're, they're way more demonized yeah. than like a, an average culture. <laughs> yeah. Cause basically everybody thinks well, I mean, they've earned it. Yeah. Yeah. They're all killers they're and that's, wrong. that's what they're good at. And that's what they do. Nonetheless, Bavine and Jaina spar with mm-hmm. Beskar armor, not lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Because they're using the short Beskad sabers. Again, hate this fucking language. They're not creative at all. Really using the same four to ten letters for everything. Mm-hmm. That's, that's 
85 to 50% of the alphabet that you're throwing in the fucking garbage all the time. Yeah. Put it to work. <laughs> just, I'm just saying. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, they're sparring with the armor and the swords. And Bavin, I think expectedly, Jaina thinks unexpectedly, starts kicking her ass. Yeah. And he says, simple, simple reasons. You don't know how I fight. You don't know this weapon. You're used to lightsabers. They're longer. They're lighter. You're used to whatever, swinging your arms all the way. You know, and he's like a little micro machine arms tucked in with a stabbing you to death with a sword. Yeah. Like a thousand whacks. Yeah, she can't get past his defense because he's always got one arm ready to block. He's just showing her how simple unfamiliarity can win a fight. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is the whole reason why she's here. Jason, you're twins. You could not be more familiar with each other. At least as far as, you know. <laughs> how many times do you think they sparred in their life? You know what I mean? Like, how, Yeah. Who who the hell do you think was their most common training partner all their lives? Yeah, and they were all... Any time that they were together. And they were all trained exactly the same way. That's and, another good point, man. Yeah, the yeah. whole... That's kind of the problem of the Jedi Temple is like... You're making... You're not making free thinkers. Yeah, I I picture... A well, they're bunch, pretty good at fighting, though. Yeah, I picture a bunch of people in a, a big training room all doing the same swinging motions again and again to drill it into their heads, exactly. and that's, well, that's, and that's their what, training. And that's what he says. is like, you you are a robot. Yeah. You're you're not thinking, and you're, you're using the force to feel, but you're not looking and thinking. Yeah. Which I think is neat. So he shows her the un- simple unfamiliarity can win the fight before... Showing a secret battle mode that Jaina <laughs> describes in the Force. He came straight at her, stick raised with an animal explosion of breath. Instantly, she felt him change in the Force into complete lack of all emotion except a single word. Yes, almost a word. End. He closed in and rained blows on her like a machine. No style, no grace, no pause. Until she fell back and he still kept hammering her while she lay in a ball and instinctively shielded her head. She wondered for a terrifying, irrational moment if he was really going to beat her to death with this small stick. (laughs) Was he ever going to stop? The man goes wild. (laughs) He goes fully feral. Yeah, he shuts it off and just goes nuts until she has to... because she says she's scared for both of them that she throws yeah, them away with the force. Throws them off with the force. And then Bavin explains to her what he just did. He says, so I wouldn't stop in battle until I saw you were dead or completely out of action. Did that feel different to you? I lost it. Mm-hmm. Which is so <clears throat> the fucking point. Jedi follow the rules and fight a certain way. You cut hands off and force people to surrender. Mm-hmm. You don't hammer strike attack somebody until they're fucking dead. Yep. That's not the Jedi way. And so this is such a big point. And the other, the other part of it is like, it's such a basic human reaction. You know what I mean? It's, it's the fight or flight thing. Like your life is threatened. You fight for your life. Mm-hmm. And you don't stop until the other thing is not moving. Yeah. Like that's fighting for your life. Jedi don't fight for their lives. 
it they're missing that basic human response. They don't have that red zone protect yourself at all costs murder mode. Yep. For a variety of reasons. Number one, they're maybe too powerful to generally feel that. Number two, it comes from emotions like fear and panic and anger. That's not the relentlessness comes from those emotions. Relentlessness comes from that survival instinct. Yeah. That they have trained out of them in the academy forever and ever. Amen. Mm -hmm. Because to be panicking while you're fighting is tantamount to the dark side. Yes. Anger. Definitely. Mm -hmm. You know, like, but you need those emotions in a life or death fight. Yeah. You need them. You need to feel them, which is, you know, the important seduction for Jason. Yeah. And she actually says that um, right after all this goes on, she's like in her monologue, she said that was the dark side. Right. What she thinks to herself. Right. But is it? If it's such a basic human thing, once again, it's the tool is not evil. Yeah. Which is the teaching of the Sith, right? The force is neither good nor bad. What's good or bad is the way you use it. Yeah, like any power, really. So, for example, red-eyed bloodline fight for your fucking life is bad if you're using it to massacre a bunch of people that don't threaten you. Yeah. It's good if you're using it to protect your own life or somebody else. Mm -hmm. But these Jedi are not... They're missing half the emotional spectrum. Yeah, they basically remove the human instinctual. At least try their best to, right? Yeah. That's what all the drilling is for. Yeah. Make it robotic, not reactionary. Yep. And that's where Jason goes sideways early in the book. He's like, I'm not going to feel. I'm just going to react. I'm not going to think. I'm just going to react. Yeah. Which... You know, we thought it was obviously fucking dumb. And, like, clearly that's going to lead you down the wrong path. But at the same time, coming now to this moment, she lays in the ball on the, on the floor in a ball and curls up. Because, you know, a variety of reasons, such as this is a sparring session. She's on Mandalore fighting a Mandalorian. What are you going to do? Fucking kill him? <laughs> right? But to the point where she's thinking, is he ever going to stop? I thought you were the sword of the Jedi. I thought you killed Yuzhan Vong. I thought you destroyed an entire dark nest of evil fucking bug machine beasts. They weren't machines. Yeah. But one dude on top of you makes you curl up into a ball and wonder if you're going to get beaten to death with a stick. I don't know how serious, you know, like she's internalizing that threat, but enough for her to, not, I don't know, like when she blows him off of her with the force, she's not doing it in a like concentrated, like controlled way. Yeah. She does it in a panic way. It's a very defensive. Oh my God. Like what? Aren't you not laying on the floor just going, reach my hand up and I'm just going to hold him still now and be like, I get it. Yeah. I think maybe it was the unexpectedness of his sudden, uh, feral attack all that unfamiliarity with everything yeah. that was happening the weapons the setting the the the, the dude going crazy but yeah i don't know it's making a good point 
but it's kind of logically loose for her, mm-hmm. I think, you know? Especially because she's wearing armor and the stick, him hitting her with this little wooden stick would never kill her. Well, and, uh, you know, it's Baskar. It's yeah. supposed to be, what are, I, I can't dent it for you. I can paint dents on it. Yeah. Sweat, sweat's happening. And that's, and that's, I don't know, it's weird. He says, pretty, it's good that you stopped me because I would have just kept going until I died. Yeah, of a heart attack. <laughs> of a heart attack. <laughs> of exhaustion, yeah. I th- I feel like the more time we're sitting on this, the worse it's, uh, the looser it's getting. But yeah. the whole point is to, I guess, open her eyes or maybe she's learned these things in small bits before and just never put the whole picture together. Mm. But the whole point of her is being there is, is to learn to be a different person. And well, that was a different person. He's showing her the power. Of focusing your emotions into a single goal. Yep. You know, it's not hate. No, it's survival. It's the it's desperation. Yeah. It's the desire and the need to survive. It's like basic instincts mm-hmm. that the Jedi don't have. No, because they spend their whole like training in life um, in service of other people and not caring about what happens to them well and not that the jedi don't experience fear but they're taught not to use it they're taught to ignore it and Mm -hmm. and stuff but like i said too the other part of that is how how often do you ever actually feel like your life is in danger when you're a regular jedi Mm -hmm. because a you're the most powerful person on whatever planet you're on yep who's gonna do anything to you and then B, most of the time, the galaxy is not in tumultuous, tumultuous war. Yeah. It's just not. No. So most of the time it's pretty chill. Yeah. And so you can understand how they don't have these, these I don't know, experience with these emotions, I guess. But he, he, he just shows her he, focusing your survival instincts into an attack is not bad. No. Like, step one, it's not bad. Step two, very valuable. Mm-hmm. You're a highly trained Jedi. I just beat you down into a ball with a stick, even though you're wearing the best armor in the galaxy. Yeah. All right. He also gives another moment, like we touched on earlier, where he's questioning the plans of a main character. Where he says to Jaina, how are you going to capture your brother? Yeah. How are you going to capture him? No, seriously. He will be harder to capture than I would be to kill, he says to her. I just beat you into a ball with a stick. You think you're going to catch your brother and bring him home? Very valid question. Yeah, that is a good question. I know she just started her training, but what is your plan? Because if you're training to catch him, you're never going to win that fight. No, you've already lost. Which I think is his point, right? Yeah. You're not... Don't come here to spar with me. Because I'm going to go psycho mode and you're not going to stand a chance. Yep. Don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Because when you go to capture him, you'll be holding back, trying not to kill him. And he will fucking not. 
Yeah. Not be holding back at all. It'll be, you know, an animal fighting for his life. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm expanding on that way more than the text does here, but like, how are you going to capture him? I just love that we get again an ancillary or a secondary character, even tertiary character, this guy, questioning a main character's plan and motives. Like, what? How are you going to do that? Like, uh, who was that in the last? Was it Pelion? Yes, I don't remember. I think so. How is he going to win this war? Yeah, it was Pelion. How? He has no plan. He has no plan. No. Right. Because he's not thinking. He's just reacting. And so every time somebody does something, his only plan is... Kill him. Make an example out of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I think... Oh, I lost it. Never mind. I was going to say something that was cool, and I lost it. <laughs> It'll come back to you. Yeah, it will. Jaina walks away from this fight having learned a lot, I think, about herself, Mandos, and how to win. She's got to be a different Jaina. So she takes the last piece of steak at Mando family dinner. Which is something she would never do at home. Baby she, steps. She says. <laughs> Baby steps, right? This is the best Jaina scene of the books, I think, so far. Other than, you know, like getting to see her talents when she's like flying or fighting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. When so many other scenes are just boys arguing about her. Yeah. And her being bothered by boys. Yeah. And this when scene she, was amazing. I think it came back to me when, <laughs> when one of those like secondary tertiary characters, it's like you need that outside view and that you is need someone looking yeah, in. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Right. Because you know, you know, it's objective. Mm-hmm. They're not close to you or the problem. Yeah, they don't care well, about your family. They don't care about the person you're fighting. Yeah, but just as a plan, how are you gonna do that? Yeah, that's right. Like, yeah, just that outside objective view. I, I still, I think this is the best Jaina so far. It's amazing. A lot of learning, a lot of uh, self reflection and growth for Jaina. It's great. Mm-hmm. And again, though, I feel like these lessons could have been thought through. Oh, yeah. I don't think you needed to go to Mandalore to get beat up by Boba Fett's friend to realize, like, Jason's going to be fighting for his life like an animal. Mm-hmm. Eh, all right. Cut to <laughs> Imperial Star Destroyer Bloodfin in the dockyard. Gentleman Gill is inspecting this new turbulent class Star Destroyer when he stops to call his old friend Nyathal. And they exchange concerns and information, both relating to Jason. Nyathal tells Gil that Jason is a Sith and he barely reacts. Yep. Regular people just don't get it, eh? Like, they don't know how bad that is? Or or is it just more like Gil says later in the paragraph, Jedi, Sith, or God, he's still just one man. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, he seems very unconcerned outwardly. Well, and he's lived through a Sith-ruled galaxy and seen that they can be killed. Well, and he prospered in that. Yes, he did. And it wasn't... That's kind of, you know... Other than, I think, the the wanton murdering. Mm -hmm. It's kind of his jam. (laughs) The Empire, you know? So, yeah, I guess that, too. But I feel like these people don't get it. (laughs) I feel like they don't realize, like, how much danger there is. Yeah, they don't realize the scope of the danger and the power just Ralph that Jason has. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in danger. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, you are. He's he's 
The president of the galaxy is a Sith. All right. That's okay. That's fine, though. But yeah, you know, that's a good line. Jedi, Sith, or God, he was still one man. And I love Pelion. God, I love Pelion. I'm 92 years old. I hope he never dies. The conversation with Nihal is short and sweet, which is good because old Gil has another lady to attend to. Less fish-faced. The newly arrived major piece of the Star Wars puzzle. A character that we love from the PC game Star Wars Rebellion. Where I first found her anyways. I don't know about you. Yep. She was the only woman in the in the Imperial side. And it was awesome. She was dope. She, yeah, she's so good. She had great stats. Yeah, she did. Created, though. For the Jedi Academy trilogy. She was Grand Moff Wilhuff Turkin's handpicked protege. The redheaded, cold-blooded, Carrie Russell-looking badass of the Empire herself. Natasi Dalla. Yeah. <laughs> Did you remember she was coming? I, as soon as he started talking about, hey, I have this friend, I was like, oh, Wait. Oh, I remembered from the very beginning. I did not. I did not know it was going to take this long. I got goosebumps. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's the same thing. I was like, she's so fucking cool, man. She's such. Oh, I know. I don't want to just say badass again. She's such a strong character. Yeah. You know, like, specifically (laughs) in the stories where, like, she's impossible to kill. She just escapes and goes into hiding over and over again all the time. Nobody can ever kill her. The moths all hate her because they're men and she's a lady. She just gasses them all. And like, oh, you're all dicks. All right. She's in there with a gas mask on. They're all dead. Suck it. Yeah. Like, she's fucking ruthless. She's nasty. And I, I just, I imagine this is going to shake things up here. Uh, uh, a, a strange <laughs> book eight of nine character introduction. Yeah. I think if she had been introduced earlier in the books. Oh, it wouldn't have been as cool. It wouldn't have been as cool. And Jason would have realized how big of a threat she was. And he probably would have gone after her to try and kill her. Yeah. And she probably would have destroyed his fleet, left him, him alive and her fleet would be destroyed and she would escape. Yep. (laughs) And then come back 20 years later. But so from a, from a, uh, a meta reading perspective, when you show up in book eight of nine, you're either going to die real mm-hmm. soon or you're going to be around for a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's never like a middle where you're just kind of floating through. I don't think she's going to be in and out. She's either in and gone or in and staying. Yeah. You know, like that's my that's my perspective. anyways, And not just because of the the foreknowledge of having read other books and stuff, but. Why else would you bring such a dramatic fan favorite character into book eight of nine? Yeah. Yeah. To use her a lot. Yeah. I, I, hope. I like her. Don't fucking. If she dies, I'll be fucking mad. <laughs> Anakin Solo. Cut to <clears throat> Anakin Solo. Fondorian space. You'll notice if you're reading along. I don't say the things that Karen has written for the location tags because they're too much. Yeah. Too much. I I try to succinctly place, place. Okay, done. Yeah. Anakin Solo, Fondorian space, place, place. Kytus has been capital B trade 
again. His mine layers were destroyed instantly upon arrival, suggesting very high up classified information was leaked. Luckily for his crew, Kytus feels no traitors on the Anakin and gets to work on a new plan for Fondor. What? Go go home. Yeah. <laughs> you had one advantage. Yep. Leave. <laughs> no, he's reacting again. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. All right. But at least he controls his anger here. Yes. Which is nice to see. Yeah, he reins it in. Because, you know, something went wrong. Somebody told him no. Uh, which is funny, too, because he doesn't even realize at first, right? He's using the force to feel everything and not looking out the viewport to see there's no mines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like everybody else on his crew is kind of like, we got a problem here. Don't you see? And then he's like, Oh, right, right. Mundane senses. That's Lumaya's fault. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to look at the actual sensor readings. Now. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, there's no mines here. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he doesn't fucking throw anybody across the bridge or snap their neck and choke slam them on the ground. Like we've said about Jaina so many times. Growth. Yes. <laughs> it's nice to see. Also, his eyes turn yellow for a minute mm-hmm. there. So I guess it's good. It's a good thing he's been practicing saying Sith out loud. Because mm-hmm. now it's written on his face. Yes. <laughs> but then again, the average people don't fucking know nothing about nothing. Nope. They, especially about the Sith. You know about the Jedi a bit because they're around. Yeah. You know that the Sith are bad Jedi. And that's usually about as far as it goes. Yeah, because they just... Uh, I came up one time in one of the other books. Hey, do you know what a Sith is? Evil Jedi? Yeah. Yeah. Man. Or, yeah. And I just think, like... Although, the, I was going to say, I just think they have no fucking idea how much trouble they're in. Although, to be fair, nobody really does. Because nobody knows Jason's powers. No. The, uh, the powers that he acquired on that seven-year sojourn across the galaxy or the new Sith powers that he has acquired in the in the recent past mm-hmm. in the books. I don't think anybody realizes how much trouble they're in. And no. maybe that's a big part of it. A lot a part of a lot of the inaction. Yeah. Mara realized it. Yeah. And Mr. He's a Sith and he's training my son. You die. Yeah. This is a big deal. You go die now. Yep. Uh, she wasn't going to capture him. No. Uh-uh. Nope. That was not the plan. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> I just think it's really funny that nobody <laughs> nobody realizes how much trouble they're in. P.S. His new plan is only going to be worse, right? It's only going to be yeah. worse for the people of Fondor. Whatever it is. Covering your planet, covering the space around your planet with mines was his... Least violent plan. Yeah, was his <laughs> merciful plan. Yes, that was the uh, the foot on the brakes plan. Yeah. But now we're here and things have gone wrong. So, paddle to the metal! <laughs> Chapter 10. Starts with another famous Karen Travis blurb. Yes, I regret that we did hear Mara Jade Skywalker threaten Chief of State Solo. She told him to, quote, leave Ben out of it and that she would, quote, skin him alive and that it was his last chance to drop something called Sith or, quote, take what was coming. It seemed most unlike her. 
Senator Nab Haas, Bith delegation to Captain Lon Shivu, GAG, logging threats against Joint Chiefs of State Solo and Nyathal. That would have been a useful piece of information when they were doing the investigation into Mara's death. Now, this comes up, I think, actually earlier when they were talking about the X-Wing, Jason wasn't a suspect at the time, Mm -hmm. right? Three months ago when she died, 12-ish weeks ago, he wasn't a suspect. He had an alibi, and he was still a good guy. Yeah. You know, like, so yeah, gathering evidence three months later... Would have been good to have this shit earlier. Yeah. But nobody even suspected he was like a bad guy yet. He still, he hadn't, he hadn't lit Kashyyyk on fire. No. And nobody knew he killed Mara. So what was the worst thing he did so far? Instigate some, oh, he killed the, the Aelin Vell in interrogation. And And he started the shoe sting at one of the blockades or something like that. Yeah. And he let that, that guy blow himself up that one sure, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just like, let him die. Who cares? Way back earlier with Nalani. Yeah. But I mean like shit that the public knows about concerning the, the war. Yeah. Right yeah. now he's like, or not right now, but three months ago when she died, he was halo on his head. Holy leader of the troops of the frontline troops. So now it's just completely different. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, gathering that information three months ago would have been way better. But nobody had any suspicion or reason to otherwise, really. Like, yeah. It's just that's it's good stuff. It's good stuff right there. He did his worst thing when nobody knew he was a bad guy yet. Mm-hmm. Although, no, that can't be worse than lighting a whole planet on fire, right? It's not. It can't be. No. Now he killed. He he murdered one woman and then lit a whole planet on fire. Lots of them died. So many. So many Wookies died. Yeah, but in terms of like of death, yeah, that's the worst. But he he killed his own family member, which in to protect himself from being revealed as evil. Yeah, with like <laughs> emotionally, emotion emotionally. Emotion- emotionally emotionally there we go <laughs> killing a family member is i would think it would and now strike think about worse. what we were just talking about with jane and bavine and then cut back to that scene and that was an animal fight to the death yep for both of them because mara jade has those instincts because she wasn't trained as a jedi no she was trained she as a was trained killer as the assassin. hand yeah interesting shit that's mm-hmm. how jason we've already seen him fight like that Twice. Yeah, and win. Against Ben and Luke, he didn't win, but he was definitely not holding back. He was not trying to capture them. (laughs) No. Okay. Difference. Okay. Chapter 10 really starts. We got to fucking fly here. On a freighter, en route to Endor. Ben and Luke reunite again on Endor, but this time, Ben has brought a new friend. Forensic Freddy. His little (laughs) droid of evidence. He hugs the shit out of his dad because that's what secret police do, he says. And they have another amazing little heart-to-heart designed and targeted specifically to make me cry. Yes. Pretty fucking sure. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. He's proud of him. Ben is amazing. He's a wonderful boy. He can't believe how fucking fantastic he is. Yeah, he actually... Luke actually starts crying. Your mom loves you so much. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Luke's crying on the speeder with Ben on the back and they're talking... Oh, my God. Then they have to pull over and talk in the grass because he can't see while he's crying and flying. 
God. <laughs> they go back to the base. And then Luke then vaguely informs Ben of the Jedi mission to Fondor. And that Ben won't be joining them. He wants Ben to plan the Jedi relocation. Gotta move on. Can't stay in one spot for, for forever if you're in exile. Mm-hmm. But more to the point, you're a moral compass. If some of us don't come back, I want someone around who'll keep asking hard questions and saying, should we do that? Is that right? And won't quit unless he gets answers. Ben hadn't seen himself in that light. He was the methodical one, the problem solver, the one who unpicked an issue, looked at the components, and tried to rebuild it better. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Yeah, man. And like, what a fucking good leader he would be. Yeah. Maybe not at 14. Not at 14, but... Holy shit. (laughs) That that whole thing that Luke tells him is exactly what he's doing with Mara's murder. It's what he's been doing all the time. Yeah. It's how Jason manipulated him into the secret police anyways. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe not consciously, but he he wanted him closer to Jason. He wanted Ben closer to himself, I should say. Mm -hmm. But he also wanted to put him in situations where he would be responsible for violence. Yes. But what he accidentally did was put him in a situation where he was going to hone his already predispositioned skills of spying police work that he has inherited from his mom. Yeah. And turn into super moral cop. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And then what Jason accidentally did was create his own worst enemy. Yep. Because Ben's going to be the one to fucking crack the secret, find the evidence and bear him as irredeemable at least or you know or something yeah bear him out as evil and i think shivu was the um maybe the beacon of light for ben i think if shivu yeah. wasn't around if he wasn't there it'd be a different it'd be, be a different, different story thing. yeah you're right that's a good, that's a good point and shivu has become more and more important lately but that is grand praise from the grand master you have the strength of morality to lead and guide the jedi damn no pressure yeah not at all <laughs> but ben doesn't take it like that he just takes it as a full-on compliment and yeah. my dad's confidence and my ability to specifically do this relocation thing i've never been in charge of thousands of people before yeah i'll figure it all out right, let's do it they exchange the usual uh humor veiled concern just before luke leaves for fondor and holy shit they are just bonding closer and closer all the time mm-hmm. now that death has forced them to actually appreciate each other yeah not i don't think luke didn't appreciate ben but maybe it gave him more more of an appreciation now that his wife is not around right yeah but ben specifically being 13 (laughs) 14 at the time had no interest in his dad or listening to his dad or being around his dad or i don't know don't tell me what to do yeah yeah teen angst right but yeah i thought of this when i was when i was thinking of that (laughs) How much of Ben's teen angst against Luke directed towards Luke? Because it was not really so much with his mom. No. So how much of that antagonistic relationship with his dad was natural? And how much of it was influenced by Jason? Yeah. I don't mean like he's making him hate his dad with the force. I mean like just Jason's constant disrespect of Luke and his poor opinion of Luke. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing that that Jason's um, antagonistic response to Luke kind of pushed 
bend the towards same, yeah, Luke. Yeah, because, you know, Jason's amazing. Yeah. And especially at the beginning when he's a really super good guy. He's fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And he's closer to your age and he's treated you like a brother all your life. Yep. And I just... Man, how subtle and good is that? Ben was hating on his dad at the time just because Jason... Like, imagine... Your kid's hanging out all the time with a friend who's talking shit about you all the time. Like, yeah. my kid goes to hang out with his friend, and his friend's just like, your dad fucking sucks. Here's why this is stupid, and here's why that's stupid all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, it, it has this giant rift between Luke and Ben by the time we come to the beginning of the series, which makes a difference at the beginning of this series. Yeah. Because what if Ben had gone with Luke? And Mara. And not join the GAG with Jason. He'd probably still have he, that. He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have. Just, he probably would have still gone to Centerpoint. Because that was a Jedi mission. Mm-hmm. Not a GAG mission. He wouldn't have assassinated Denjax Tepler. Nope. He would not have watched a dude get blown up in his escape. For his escape. Mm-hmm. He would not have had the experience of watching that kid try to shoot at a cop that he liked or the kid that he liked try to shoot at a cop. He wouldn't have killed the people in the tie fighters, you know, like Ben's hands would be so much cleaner. Yeah. Had he gone with Luke and not Jason, but I think he would still have that child resentment towards his dad for always getting him to do things. Sure. Probably the regular amount though. Yeah. Right. Not the, uh, Giant emotional rift that can only be healed by our mother's death amount. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Like the people you spend your time with shape your opinions. Absolutely. That's just un- undeniable. But back in the present, Ben sends Jag, who also is not on the mission. He's not a Jedi. Mm-hmm. To collect more grownups for relocation planning. <laughs> While Ben himself heads to Luke's quarters in search of his mother's hairbrush, looking for a hair to match with Freddy Forensics. Yep. He has a moment of grief at, you know, going through his mother's things, which he's able to stop because he has seen his mother in the afterlife and knows she's okay. Mm-hmm. Spoiled, like I said last time. But Ben notices it too. Quote, Jedi suddenly seem the luckiest beings in the galaxy. Yeah, no shit, kid. Yeah. You're super powerful, super fast, super privileged. And you know what happens when you die. Yeah. The greatest human fear in existence. Yeah, and you don't have to you don't have to worry about it because you, you now you know you can talk occasionally talk to the people that are dead know what happens to you when you're gone spoiled yeah magic powers and afterlife certainty back to the case though because the hair from the brush goes into the droid and freddie says positive match also that blurb that we uh read before ben gets a call from shivu with the same information your mom was threatening Jason Solo. Just so you know. So, like, that doesn't really help our case. <laughs> she says she's going to kill him. 
Yeah. Maybe it's not self-defense, blah, blah, blah. But for Ben, the point is not the case. The point is knowing. Yes. You're not going to arrest Jason and bring him down by law. It's not going to happen. No. That's not the point. That was that was Bavine's point, too. Yeah, right? And so Ben gets the, the information from the blear, which complicates the case. He gets this information and he thinks to himself, am I upset? Part of him was proud that his mother had faced down a Sith Lord in combat. Part wondered how that squared with his recent understanding that vengeance wasn't justified. And part felt devastated that he was the motive. And that if only he'd seen Jason for what he was and shunned him, his mother might still be alive. That's rough. That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 14-year-old Ben, your mom died protecting you from your own impudent little choices. Like your petulant attitude that led you to make these, I don't know, questionable choices at best. Yeah. You leave your Jedi training to join the secret police and stuff, you know? Cut to Bloodfin at Bastion. Pelion and Dalla sitting in a tree. <laughs> Old Gil is H-A-R-D. Because he thinks she's lovely. Yep. He's in awe of her. They giggle and hold hands over his Darth Vader impression. Yeah, these old Imperials are horny as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like this is a weird scene. Yeah, because Pelion's ninety-two. Uh, Dalla's got to be the same age as like Han and them. She's got to be seventy, right? I mean, like, which is fine. Old people fuck. We all know that. Yeah, we've all heard the story horror stories from STDs and nursing homes and all that jazz. But it is. It's a, just so. It's sideways. It's weird. In Nobody's the been of nice to each other, other than Luke and Ben, in like a long time. Mm-hmm. Especially in this book. Now we're giggling and holding hands and like. like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it, but it's just weird. It is a weird little. Uh, I mean, little okay, they're like thing. lifelong best friends, right? Yeah, and they haven't seen each other in twenty five years, and like he obviously has like a crush on her type of thing, right? But, like, in a respectful way. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, whatever. I don't know. It's just cool. It's just really cool. I... Between all the hand-holding and stuff... Mm-hmm. Yes, they're horny. But they're also hot for expansion. Yes. Not just each other. I think all the moths are hot. Hot, hot, hot to get Bill Bringy in... Balmora. Uh, uh, no, Borlias. Or Borlias? I say Borlias. Yeah, Borlias. I like that one better. Yeah, who cares? Better than Borlias. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can't appreciate a good Borlias, I can't fucking help you, bud. Okay. <laughs> now, he asks Dala. This is why he, he fucking drum solo phone called her out here. He asks her to be his backup at Fondor. Whichever way that might go, because he has committed to help Jason Solo and the GA. Mm-hmm. And you never know when the dog is going to bite you, so he's called in some serious fucking backup. Oh, and he drops some more cool-ass 92-year-old wisdom about integrity. He's not just horny, he's also wise. Mm-hmm. 
Integrity was a matter of honor, but it was also a pragmatic thing. If you did what you said you would, then your threats carried as much weight as your promises. And your pledges to allies secured tangible benefits. A liar lost friends fast in war. That was almost like a tongue twister at the end. But like, I love Admiral Pelion. This is pretty much the motto that I live my life by. Number no, two, two hot points in there. Number one, say what you mean and mean what you say. Yes. Don't say something if you don't mean it, if you're not going to do it. Number two, always do what you think is right. That's it. It's fucking simple. Yeah. Don't be a liar. Tell the truth. As Will Smith would say in that movie from a few years ago. And then I had another point there. Either way, though. No wonder why the man has made it to 92 years old. All he does is tell the truth and do what he thinks is right. Yeah. You know, like, sure, a lot of people get shot doing that, especially in Laser Town over here in Star Wars world. But, like, there, I just, I that's my fucking, that's, that's the way I run my shit, man. And I'm like, that's, do the right thing for all the reasons. Yeah. All the reasons. <laughs> you know? It's good. And, like, it does, it leaves room for also... You know, negativity in there. Like, your promises matter as much as your threats. Yeah. Because when I say I'm going to do it, I do it. Whether mm-hmm. you like it or whether you don't. Yeah. Whatever the thing is, I'm fucking doing it. You know? A promise is a promise, whether it's good or bad. The word is the word, bird. And I just think this old bird's pretty cool. Now that he's made his request of her, he takes her on a tour of the new ship. Which is sure to turn some heads as she's been in hiding for 25 years. Gil says, between 20 and 25 years. How long has it been since since that battle that she disappeared? 25, 20, 25 years? She's been missing? She's been in hiding for 25 years in the galaxy. Yep. That is fucking wild. But she's back, and he's walking her through this Star Destroyer, turning heads, breaking fucking necks. She's back because of Gil's little drum message and because some of the moths blew up her boyfriend and her eye. Yes. Five years ago. So she's been missing for 25 years. Five years ago, somebody tried to kill her boyfriend or her. Killed him and blew up her eye. She's been waiting five years to come back and Take revenge. Yeah, and Pelion says or thinks her patience is terrifying. I actually wrote this line down. I think the next line after that is she never forgot, forgave, or gave up. (laughs) Oh, my God, that's scary. That's a lot scarier than I'm going to react, not think. She never forgot, forgave. I got goosebumps again, maybe because it's cold, but. Or gave up. That's that's such a great line, Karen. I don't want to give the credit to Pelion. <laughs> Karen Travis wrote that, and that is a goddamn good line. Ooh. <laughs> Anyways. She has promised to help Pelion at Fondor. Cut to. Cut to the ops room, Fleet HQ. Yes. Nyathal is confronted with the immediate tragedy of her betrayal. 
all the crew that were under her under her mm-hmm. <laughs> under her under command, her command. Yeah. on the mine layer ships are dead because she told secrets heavy consequences yeah she knew right that, she knew that that was probably going to happen yep but as she says i knew it was going to happen but staring at the data pad full of names doesn't fucking feel good no like it feels you feel that betrayal when you know when it's in your hands there in front of your face she then has a has a public blowout with jason in front of everybody in the ops room who says he wants to make an example of Fondor. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Again. All right. That makes her snap. As it would me as yeah. well. I'm with you. And now she's on her way to Fondor with the third fleet. She said in front of everybody. He's gone too far. He has to go. In front of everybody. And then she gets in the car and she starts planning a coup. Yeah. Okay. She's dead as fuck, right? Like she's dead now, right? She yeah. said, she said no to Jason. First of all, to his face. Second of all, she said bad things about him behind his back. She's going to die, right? In front of everyone. She's going to fucking die. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. If I am understanding how Jason works here, she's dead. Yeah. At some point or another, he's going to be probably, she's going to get a blurb with a message from her boyfriend. That says, please be careful. Don't do anything <laughs> stupid out there. And she's going to be fucking dead. Yep. Chapter 11. Starts with a famous Karen Travis blurb. How can I insert troops without decent plans? Even if it all has to change at the last moment, I still need somewhere more solid to start. Solo used to be sharp. Knew what we needed, and now it's all vague force stuff, and I can't work with that. He's changed. And what if it's not the force guiding him? What if he's just hearing voices? Colonel Pichoff, Rapid Deployment Commander, GA Task Force at Fondor. The common troops are losing faith in Jason's God-seeing leadership. Yeah, because he's going further and further away from the normal person. And it's hard to just trust him. A, because he's killed troops on bridge. B, because he's not giving you tangible information. Like all these people would be used to. Coordinates, times. Jason is just a lot of, I'm going to feel it out. And then I'm going to tell you what to do when the time is right. Yeah. For a whole fucking Navy, (laughs) like to sit around and be like, Okay, I guess. Yeah, he's not giving them anything quantifiable. Right? Yeah. Shocking that he's lo- the fate of the troops is flagging here. Shocking. Yeah. Not at all. But it is shocking that it's becoming out loud now. Yes. And so when Nithal shows up at Fondor, she might have more support than she may think. Because mm-hmm. these are the people at Fondor getting fucking annoyed that Jason's not telling them what to do. <laughs> yeah. So... Hey, you never know. I wouldn't be too surprised. But chapter 11 actually starts at Mandel Motors, Keldabe. A new ship! A 20-meter slab of Beskar covered in turrets. (laughs) All right. 20-meter slab of metal covered in turrets. This is the genius invention of the of the fucking mandalorians it's a, it's a fucking tank a big old brick tank yeah yeah three dimensional tank it also has turrets on the bottom right? yes you don't it does. need shreds uh, okay cool also it's built out of 
old technology, which now explains that other blurb that we saw from the Roche or the Verpine, whoever yeah. it was, to Mandel Motors. I was like, we don't want these. It's what? How come you're not? Why don't you want to use our technology? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. A giant fucking chunk of metal full of old technology. Cool. Fed heads off to train Jaina and gets a phone call on the way. Someone he hasn't heard from in 12 years. Today's the fucking day for blowing people's minds for Nastas. No, I said it wrong. Natasi Dalla. Mm-hmm. She calls Boba Fett. It's been 12 years. 25 years ago, she disappeared. 12 years ago, she did something with Boba Fett. Five years ago, a bunch of moths found her. Is she as good at hiding as we think she is? I say still yes. Well, she's as good at surviving, anyways. <laughs> Damn, that's still right. Yeah. She's got an eye patch now. I want to know what the hell they got off to 12 years ago. But today, she wants Fett to back her up with Mando's at Fondor. She wants 100 of his super elite commandos, I think she says. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it won't be that many, but I'll get, I'll, I'll be there. Deal. She told Pelion she had a fleet when he asked her to back him up. Now, I'm sure she has her own fleet, but how fucking funny would it be if she was just really banking on Boba Fett yeah. going to back her up, right? She shows up, just her in one it's ship like, and then oh, Boba Fett her ship. The, her fucking flagship and the Slave One roll up to Fondor. <laughs> and like, that's ah, probably enough. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just, I just thought that would be pretty funny if that was the, the way that was going. Either way, it's time to go home. Take his helmet off and spill his guts to his thawed ex-wife in front of everyone. Friends, family, and Jedi alike. But he only gets to step one of filling in the blanks of her past and admitting his whatever he did. Mm -hmm. Before being led outside by Bavine and convinced to stop telling Sintas anything until Jaina can find her a Jedi healer. Life is complex, eh? Yeah. For a Jedi, I know. need, I need the daughter of my most pursued bounty, the daughter of my biggest failure, to find a magic wizard to heal my biggest relationship failure, my ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Life is tricky. Oh, and then he tells Jaina, I might be seeing your brother tomorrow. Come with me to Fondor. Okay, I guess. I guess that's a reason. I don't think she's quite ready for that. Ah, I mean, she's got beaten to a ball by a stick. All right. Yep. And that ain't Jason, but okay. How many, though? How Damn. How many series main characters are going to be at Fondor? How many are going to be there? Except for Han and Leia. Luke. And Ben. Jaina. Fett, Jason, Nyathal, not Ben, not Jag, not Mara. <laughs> I got Tim to roll his eyes. And that she, was, you never know, she might be there. I specifically watching. wrote that in there just to fuck with you. Okay, cut to the Anakin Solo at Fondor. Jason. Mirrors Nyathal's earlier thoughts of him thinking she has to go. Nice bit of symmetry, I think. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, an interesting way to humanize him again. 
You know, like he's the bad guy, but he's thinking similar things to the good guys. Just on the dark side, right? Yes. Kind of neat. He then compares his path to Grandpa Vader's. He's sure he's still on a better path than he was. There's no distracting love. I beg to differ. No evil emperor. Okay, that part's true. So for he's striving he's to way, be. He's on a way better path. But maybe it's better to be the emperor than to be told I, what to do by the emperor. Yeah. I don't know. It's better to be the boss, I guess, if you're the Sith. There's only two. Yeah. Although we know that's not true. <laughs> and where the fuck are they? Yeah. They are they going to come to Fondor? Oh. Uh, they came in for a minute. Who knows where they are right now? That's, that was weird, eh? They just came in to get the ship. You're right. Where is ship? Ship was off flying. Ship has free. gone somewhere else. They're gone somewhere. Else. Who fucking knows? Yeah. Man? Just <laughs> just gonna dangle that thread out there and leave it hanging forever and ever. Amen. Maybe. I don't know. Probably. But Jason's mirroring of of good guy characters doesn't stop with Nihal, because he then has similar thoughts to Ben, where he's thinking we didn't cover this when when Ben was up, but Ben was thinking similar things to this. Jason says. The future is decided in moments by decisions that you make. Mm-hmm. The future is not the future is not like a, a a point A to point B thing. Like it's A to B C D E F G all the way. Yeah, you know where branches coming off and all that. Earlier, Ben was thinking like you have to get up every day and choose to do the right things. Mm-hmm. It's not just automatic. The future is not automatic. The future will not be good unless every choice you make makes it a little better. Yeah. And so this is kind of Jason mirroring that, but in a less, you know, uh, less well-meaning way <laughs> Yeah, where he, he's more thinking of like the future changes every moment. Like with every decision, the future changes and I can mold it more in my view mold it more in my yeah vision yeah then mold it uh, to my my vision i think that's the I best way to say i still that. didn't um, feel like yeah, 100% I don't like it. right either way mirroring the same kind of thing that ben was thinking the same kind of thing that niathal was thinking and then it made me wonder like is this are we regrounding jason solo here towards the end of the series to make him more sympathetic uh, uh, as a character like bring us more back to empathy for him because he's been fucking out of control mm-hmm. since he killed Mara since Lumaya died the same book yeah he's been out of control lighting planets on fire and stuff yeah now uh, you know constant battles gonna make an example of center point make an example of this and now like we're getting him reflecting good guy thoughts and getting him calming himself, painting consciously painting himself in a more sympathetic light where he's thinking, well, I mean, that comes up later, I guess, but I don't know. I just wonder like, is this, are we, are we trying to be reminded of the good part of Jason right now? Because he's been so out of control for so long. He's hard to relate to anymore. And now it's like, Hey, look at him. Here's a here's a, a sprinkling of him starting to I don't know, like stop the fishtail. Yeah, he's <laughs> You know what I mean? Like 
He's been sliding back and forth across the ice the whole time. and Maybe he's realizing he's finally seeing how out of control everything is getting. Like, more so than just him, I want to bring order to the galaxy, but realizing that this shit is tail spinning. Well, it comes from him analyzing the mistake of killing Lieutenant Tibut. Mm-hmm. Tibut, whatever. And he decides... That was a mistake. That was me focusing my the power of my anger on the wrong target. I should be choosing a larger target. Yes. Right? Of course. The whole war. Not kill this person who made the mistake standing right next to me. And he decides he can boost morale. Everybody thinks he's bad guy now. Wait a second. I can get some of this back if I just... Take a little flight on the front lines of the war. Like Jason Solo would have. I thought this came up later. But this is what I was t- about to talk about. was like, he starts thinking like, oh wait, I I should be acting like Jason Solo in public. Yes. Even though he's now started to tell people he's a Sith and stuff like that. He's thinking, if I act like Jason... It will be a bigger benefit for me because people won't think I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I'll take a flight out to the front lines like Jason Solo would have. I'll win over all the troops again. It's all good. He zips out for a bit, thinking about his plan for this battle again and how dope stealth axes are. This is These are his thoughts as he's flying around out there. Before returning to space near the Anakin and promptly being surrounded by an entire fleet. And he's like, wow, it's, it's very, uh, very frantic. Yeah. Controls are spinning. He's, he's uh, zipping the... Swervasive maneuvers. Yeah. Oh, good. That's us. That's for us. Yeah. Yeah. And right away, I was like, this seems like he's... Okay. It's set up to make you realize, like, this is about to not be real. Because he, the way... The things that he's saying and thinking as he's flying through space, and then as he's coming back towards the Anakin talking about... He's doing these little micro jumps through hyperspace where like you can't safely do that if you're not a f- crazy force sensitive powerful guy. Mm-hmm. And the crew's always telling him like, hey, if you keep doing that, you're going to blow up on the whole hu- hu- bulk out of the ship one day. And then he jumps into place and then it's sh- ships and fleet everywhere, right? Like yeah. massive capital ships. And right away I was like, man, I've seen drugs before. Yeah. This man is force tripping. Mm-hmm. Again, spoiled. Yeah, man, you don't even have to do drugs. You just you just are drugs. <laughs> Fucking spoiled. Cut to Nyathal's flagship, Ocean. She's got Jason on comlink, tripping for sure because she can't see any ships. She's got all her sensors up. So she decides to pass him through to every bridge in the fleet, you know, to embarrass a Sith. Mm-hmm. Smart. <laughs> Nithal even, sorry, go ahead. Shake everybody's confidence in him. Yeah, she's trying to, you know, this, this is the coup. This is the mutiny. Yeah. She even goes so far as to make a joke. Yeah. She's a Mon Cal. <laughs> they're not comedians. No, they're not. But she makes... A joke about him in front of everybody on the comms. I I laughed. She says, after the whole thing is resolved and 
And Jason's gone back to the Anakin after realizing there's no ships. And it's all some kind of trick. He says, sorry, Nyathal says her funny, funny joke. If anyone doesn't spot anything that isn't there, don't hesitate not to tell me. It's fucking dumb, but I, I laugh, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Chapter 12 starts with a famous, as I've said, I, am I getting too repetitive with saying the same thing over and over? Well, with the famous part? Hey, yeah, famous. Maybe. Yeah. Karen Travis Blarb. Could I have stopped all this? If I'd told Kalomas right at the start to let Karelia go its own way, would we be here now? Trying to force every alliance world to pool its defense forces was a principle. We didn't actually have an external threat to face, but we created one. And if another enemy like the Yuzhan Vong had ever shown up, I'm certain that Karelians would have been would have come running to defend the galaxy anyway, like they always have. Luke Skywalker to Han Solo. Long story short, did they make this mess themselves? Yeah. Yep, you did. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much. Um, I can uh, pinpoint the dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Where it all went wrong. Everybody was so heated about their points of view about whether or not Karelia should be forced to share guns that you all separated in the very beginning and didn't come back together for six seven fucking books yeah it was like chapter four of book one <laughs> and that was that was the big moment where you all made a giant mess out of this fucking spice loaf i mean lumaya helped a lot regardless you know even had they stayed on the same team she was still working her shit in the background but yeah you guys done fucked up chapter 12 really starts near fondor kytus thinks okay clearly that was an illusion targeted specifically at me but who done it Luke, last Jedi style force projection. <laughs> I don't know. Does Jason know about the movies? Mm-hmm. He'd be mad. That should have been me. Anyways. Yeah. Then he gets clipped by an invisible ship out there while he's flying around. What? Who done that? First an illusion. Now an invisible ship is hitting me. Can't be Luke. He says, not Luke. Quote, I can always sense him. You fucking dick <laughs> yeah how stupid are you man fuck ah like he's supposed to be smarter than that yeah and like, from the sounds of how he's being attacked in this part it's like they're like peeling his ship like an orange well like like just pulling parts off well he gets the first hit and then he's like i don't know it can't be luke so i'll just ask on open com frequency who this well who answers the fucking phone it's me luke skywalker i'm here to redeem you <laughs> yeah S- simple he says, land near Fondor and let's talk. Grandmaster slash Supreme Redeemer is at it again. Mm-hmm. They talk a bit as Luke knocks pieces of Jason's stealth axe off like a fucking Lego bricks. <laughs> like, click, bang. Here goes, oh, there's part of your wing. Boom, there's this part. I don't know. Expert pilot, in case you forgot, Luke Skywalker. This is to remind us how badass he is, I think. Because then he destroys the inside of Kytus' ship. With the force. 
<laughs> crushing him inside the ship. Breaks the like the moorings on his seat, so he's sliding around. Yeah, he like <laughs> it's like you know like a sliding car seat, and he slams it all the way forward and breaks it off the fucking thing and crushes him against the dashboard. And some fucking how, Kytus can fly his ship enough to put innocent lives in danger on the way back to the Anakin. So Luke has to back off. Mm-hmm. And sneaky Sith boy pulls a sneaky emergency landing on the Anakin. Now, I'm being a little stupid about this, but it was an amazing scene. Yeah, it was. It was really fucking... It was so good. It was really intense, man. Very intense. And for, you know, I've seen the cover of the next book. Mm -hmm. Jason's on it. Yes. (laughs) You know, so like there's only... He's got a plot armor still. We're only on book eight and nine. It's like, you know, he's not going to fucking die fighting Mara in book five. Yeah. It's not happening. His face is on more books. The last two. Yeah, be there. But it was still super intense, and it was like really, really cool. The description of the force thing, and like the way he was just yeah biffing pieces of the ship off. Like Luke is a surgeon with the X wing. Mm -hmm. That's what he just did. Dissected another X wing with his X wing, and didn't kill himself. I wonder if he's so good at it because he's so familiar with the ship itself. Actually, I just thought of something different. What if? He wasn't breaking Jason's ship with his ship. What if he was using the force? Yeah. Like, I I, think I thought the, he was, like, ramming him with the stealth axe. I think he was. I think he was. I think he was physically hitting his ship, hitting Jason's ship with his own ship, and then he crushed the inside with the force because he can't bang that part. But maybe he was just banging it, ripping pieces off with the force, but I don't know. That wasn't really the... I didn't see that uh, the way it was described. But either way, don't forget, Luke Skywalker is the strongest man in the world. Every time Jason thinks, okay, first of all, I can always sense him. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Stupid. But like every time Jason thinks like, I'm the most powerful force user in the galaxy. Nobody can stop me. Blah, blah, blah. We always get a taste of Luke Skywalker doing something fucking powerful. Yeah, Luke Sepson crushed him in his chair on the on the Anakin and that stuff. And still like, one of the best scenes of the book. But above drops all the him books. on the fucking floor on his ass like a top. Oh my god, Luke Skywalker is badass. Yep. Kytus lands and thinks, "Whoa, that was fucked up." Say the right thing, the Jason Solo thing, and he does. He pops. His ship is crushed and destroyed, and he smash lands it into the wall at the back of the fucking hangar. Yeah, they spray it down with fire with foam. foam. And, so he's got a minute while he's in there. He's trying to heal his chest. That He's got a broken rib from being smashed in the dash. And he's like, think like Jason Solo. Say something cool. <laughs> don't, don't pop out and rip people's fucking heads off. So he hops out, and he's like... What he says something along the lines of like, "Oh, I ran into a Jedi out there. Didn't get his license plate or something." Yeah, uh, and he's like, "Tell tell you what, if you come across it, let me know." Or like, it was a fucking good joke. Yeah, his uh, one of the flight crew says, "Sir, I hope your insurance covers this." Mm. And he mm. says, "I swerved to avoid a Jedi. I didn't get his number. Could you give me a hand?" Yeah, like my god. Imagine if he had been behaving like this in public all the way along. Yeah. Instead of being like so distraught over his daughter for a few books that he became a fucking he became a mess psycho. Yeah, yeah. There's one other thing he says that I that this is the part that I laughed at. He's like, next time I try and chase Luke Skywalker's pranks, confiscate my pass card. 
<laughs> yes, that was the second one. Yeah, I was take my cool. license next time I try and do Which that. Is perfect, because not only does that. Okay, look at him. Good guy. Good attitude. But he also hops out and redeems himself for seeming fucking crazy a few minutes ago. Yeah. He tells right away the guy, oh, man, Luke Skywalker did some crazy illusion on me. And then yeah. that word starts spreading. And now you seem less fucked. Yeah, it says <laughs> it says he it spread to the yeah, right, to right. the bridge before he before even got he there. Got there. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. And then we cut to the GA warship Ocean, where Nihal is thinking Luke would have to learn to shoot to kill. Agreed. Oh, look, Bavine's lesson again. It's not. It's not oh, hey, good fucking point. <laughs> very, very good point. I think we'll revisit that later. She arranges a meeting on the Bloodfin between Gil, Jason, and herself to uh, discuss strategy with this now newly planned battle of Fondor. And then she calls Fondor and offers surrender and rejoin terms all on her own Mm -hmm. before being told H and E news ships are entering the war area. It makes sense, but it feels weird because that this is something then that should have been happening. Should have been way more prevalent over the last eight books. Yeah. A new ship is there. Just say it every time, or, or should be showing footage of or people a scene of somebody watching footage on the HNE, or you know like yeah. Make, this was this seems like by the time they got around to book eight, they realized like oh yeah 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 wait a minute. But they <laughs> like do... we have TV cameras in wars since always. Yeah, they do say she does say wasn't this set up as an exclusionary zone like to keep them out? True that. So maybe most of it is, but. You know, it just, yeah. this came in sideways. Yeah. And then it it's says right. it makes some, sense some about Jason saying, hey, come, come with me on the, on the assault or whatever. Right. Exactly. Anything. But yeah. again, it's like, here it is once. Yeah. Here's a new ship. Cut to Mando's in a brick ship. Hmm. Jaina and 11 Mando's in a metal box. And she's being grilled by Myrta and repeatedly reminded to open her perspective, reminding herself to open up her perspective. Mirta's saying a lot of things that are just like, oh, hitting home with her and realizing, oh, people are the same. We all have the same problems, no matter where you're from. They talk a lot. And they seem to bond a lot over just about every relevant current emotional event that they're going through. Families and such. Mm-hmm. Life is tough. My grandma's back. She's almost as old as me. My brother's a psycho trying to kill the whole universe. All kinds of shit going on. Yep. And then Fett shows up. To let Myrta and Jaina know they'll be flying a Besu leak together. One of the better fighters, not a big metal brick. And the two of them bond even more. The angriest Jedi is making friends. First Zek, then Jag, now Fett and Myrta. Who else will be Jaina's friend? Dala? Gil? Nithal? Tahiri? Jason? Okay, probably not Jason. Probably not. But find out next week when we cover chapters 13 through 16 of Legacy of the Force, book eight, Revelation. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Thank you for being a friend. (laughs) For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, 
Twitter and YouTube at jplazer. Check us out.